Good evening, and welcome to the Independent News Hour. I'm John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of the Independent, New York City's lefty newspaper and website. We're online at independent.org, I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot O-R-G. And our brand-new April edition hit the streets across the city today. You can find it in our red and white news boxes in more than 60 public libraries, as well as independent bookstores, cafes, social movement centers, and other venues. My co-host, Abba Gagarian, is away this week. In the first half of today's Independent News Hour, we will look at the battle over New York State's $227 billion annual state budget. The money allocated in the budget affects every aspect of New Yorkers' lives, from education and health care to mass transit to policing and jails, parks, roads, you name it. But who will reap the benefits of this spending? New York's uh, well-heeled and well-connected uh, uh, one percenters and their lobbyists, or will New York's uh, long ignored working class see more benefits this year? Governor Kathy Hochul and the state legislature are facing an April 1 deadline to complete the budget. On Saturday, hundreds of New Yorkers with the Invest in Our New York Coalition marched from Columbus Circle to Billionaires Row on Fifth Avenue to call for higher taxes on New York's wealthiest residents to pay for an expansion in much-needed social spending. And State Senator Jabari Brisport from Brooklyn was among the speakers. was uh, the Saturday's uh, march on Billionaire's Row on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan on the Upper East Side. Hundreds of people joined in that march. And in the second half of that clip, you heard State Senator Jabari Brisport, socialist from Brooklyn, uh, addressing the crowd. Uh, So the uh, battle continues up in New York, in Albany, our state capital as well. And earlier today, I spoke with uh, assembly member Zoran Mamdani, another socialist uh, who represents the 36th Assembly District in Astoria and Long Island City and Queens, uh, who is uh, also pushing for uh, the same priorities that the people who were marching on Saturday uh, were advocating for, uh, higher taxes on the rich to uh, pay for an expansion in a number of uh, key uh, social programs in New York. And uh uh, we're going to go to this uh, interview with uh, uh, Zoran Mamdani, and uh, we'll uh, listen in and catch up on the latest from Albany. Assemblyman Zoran Mamdani, welcome back to the Independent News Hour. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Yes. So for starters, can you paint the scene right now as far as what's going on uh, in the state capitol on a day-to-day or even hour-to-hour uh, basis, the meetings, discussions, bargaining, the pressure from both well-heeled lobbyists as well as people-powered movements? Absolutely. Well, you know, today is March 21st, and the state budget is due on April 1st. So these next you know, week and a half to two weeks, and I anticipate even a little longer, given the likelihood that the budget will go late, um, is a time of a contest for what the vision of New York State should be. And for many of us, you know, members of the Assembly or members of the Senate, we are not in those rooms having the negotiations with the governor ourselves, but rather we have meetings with our own leadership when there is an update to be had. And those are the moments where we have a chance to organize and make it clear as to what kind of vision that we would be fighting for that we deem is, you know, one that we could support and, and making sure that when there are compromises and concessions, that it's not working people who um. are and have pushed off the brink as, yeah, as the consequence of that. Early, and, and what's your sense of the uh, balance of uh, forces right now in Albany between the governor's uh, seemingly very pro-corporate vision and uh, the kind of vision that people like yourself have? Well, you know, I think it's it's um, it's a very high-stakes few weeks in that coming out of the one-house budgets, which are For those who are not familiar, the budget proposals that come out of the Assembly and the Senate, so the legislature at large, there are a number of priorities for socialists and um, for for anyone who cares about working class people and their lives here in New York State to fight for and to retain in the final budget. Some things that come to mind are key elements of the Fix the MTA campaign, so namely the rejection of a fair hike, the funding of a free bus pilot for $50 million of 10 routes across five boroughs, two routes per borough, then uh, the support for good cause eviction, a piece of legislation that we've been trying to pass in Albany longer than I've actually even been serving as a legislator, as well as the Build Public Renewables Act, uh, a, a true priority for the eco-socialist uh, working group and wing of, of of the organization. And so all of these things have life. They have the possibility of actually coming to fruition. And so in these next two weeks, we try and do everything that we can to make sure that the call for those things does not diminish with the passage of time, but rather gets louder and louder and becomes an undeniable one. Right. And uh, the MTA is an issue you've uh, been especially outspoken about recently. Can you talk a little bit more about your vision for free bus fare and and why you think that's uh, so important? Absolutely. You know, free buses, this is something that was a part of my campaign uh, when I ran for state assembly, albeit not one that we, you know, um, spoke about forcefully as one of our, our primary issues, but it was something that was of interest from the beginning. Um, and one of the core reasons why I think that it's critical that we fight for and achieve the funding for a free bus pilot is because we've seen that when you make buses free, you are making buses faster, you are making buses safer, and you are making buses universally accessible. And I don't mean that in a pithy rhetorical flourish, but in a very literal sense, you know, in Boston, when they implemented uh, three routes as, as free routes, in those routes, they saw a decrease of 23% in dwell time for passengers to get on the bus because now there was no waiting in line to, you know, 
swipe your metro card or scan your omni of anything of that sort every single door was open and people could freely get on the bus in kansas city when they implemented free buses they saw a 39 percent decline in assaults on buses and an 80 percent increase in passengers feeling safer and we know that both reality and perception of reality are critical influences in how people think and feel about safety and free buses has a positive impact on both of those things and finally there's more riders there's more riders, but I think also, you know, when you talk to bus drivers, um, there's a, a, a VP of, of bus operations at TWU. His name is JP Patafio. He's been fighting for free buses for, for many years. And he told me that he, you know, works with over 5,000 bus operators in Brooklyn and 50% of assaults on bus operators come from interactions around the fare box when an operator says you know you have to pay your fare or you need to pay it and then a passenger takes it out on the operator and for so long we've seen a response to that as oh we need to increase the criminal penalties around assault but you know to be frank as socialists we know if there's a 7 year penalty for assault increasing that penalty to nine or 10 years that is not the factor that actually influences and mitigates uh, any kind of harm or, or a violation of, of a bus operator. That, that's like a tough on crime version of uh, virtue signaling. Exactly. And, and you know, we have to prove that we care about safety by doing so in a manner that actually has the results that we're seeking. And so we've seen that that making buses free actually has that impact. And then finally, you know, in terms of universal impact, as socialists, we are driven by the cause to ensure that our working class brothers and sisters and, and family beyond the binary are living lives that are more than simply making enough money to, to, to pay for their bare minimums and, and, and their basic necessities. And right now what we're seeing here in New York City and across New York State is that 20% of low-income New Yorkers are having to forego job opportunities, you know, uh, doctor's appointments because of the cost of the fare. So we are already having this massive barrier to people even being able to live out the mildest dream that they may have where they can take care of their basic needs. We re- get rid of that. We allow there to be more freedom in the lives of, of working class New Yorkers. And this uh, this vision is still still alive in the negotiations of, of the 10 free bus routes? Very much so. So, you know, our... Um, our initial proposal was free buses across uh, the five boroughs over four years. And um, through some, you know, a, a really beautiful amount of organizing on the outside, on the inside, as part of a larger coalition, we have managed to secure a rejection of the fair hike to $3 that was proposed by the governor in her budget. And that's a rejection in both the Senate and the Assembly's one houses, as well as a $50 million funding of this free bus pilot program of two routes per borough, so 10 routes in both the Assembly and the Senate. And so we're, we're fighting to preserve these things from the one houses within the final budget, as well as doing everything we can to add in additional funding for frequency. Um, which, which we hope the governor could, could input as part of, as part of the trifecta of ways in which to, to truly fix the MTA. Mm. And also, let's circle back to the Build Public Renewables Act. Um, that was passed last year by the state Senate and then it died without a vote, uh, in the assembly. Can you describe where things stand with the Build Public Renewables Act? Uh, in the assembly this time around, this uh, legislation that would vastly expand uh, uh, public power and uh, renewable energy sources in New York State? 
I'm quite hopeful of where we are in this moment. Um, hope does not mean, um, you know, a belief that we can sit on our hands and simply expect that it will, it will come to be in the way that we hope, but hope in that if we organize and we sustain the pressure that has been created as part of a mass movement, also delivered through a number of legislators, then we can accomplish the Build Public Renewables Act and its, and its core vision. Um, you know, the Senate has included the entire Build Public Renewables Act in their one house. The governor has proposed a, what we call BPRA light in her executive budget. And the assembly has taken the governor's proposal and built on top of it, um, adding in critical and crucial labor protections, as well as a mandate that the New York Power Authority build whenever private companies are unable to hit the requirements that we passed here in, in New York State through the CLCPA. Um, so, so all of that is to say there are three visions of the Build Public Renewables Act included in each of the three budget proposals. And they are getting closer and closer to the vision that we have been fighting for, which is a vision where finally the state will step in and say the responsibility of dealing with the climate crisis cannot simply be fulfilled through the creation of mandates that we then hope corporations will fulfill, but will be through the fulfillment of those mandates and the insurance that if corporations can't do it themselves, the state will step in, the state will build out whatever is necessary to get us to a 2030 um, uh, scenario where 70% of our grid is powered by renewables. And do you feel like the uh, your uh, colleagues in Albany are getting more comfortable with the idea of uh, a larger role for the state in uh, providing uh, public goods? I think that, you know, um, bit by bit, I think there is a growing comfort around that. And I think a lot of it also comes from the firsthand experience that many colleagues and myself have had with the failures of private corporations who have stepped in where the state used to be. Um, you know, for me, it's Con Ed. For Sarahana Shrestha, it's Central Hudson. There are these um, utility companies that have shown time and time again what will happen when profit is the underlying motive to all operation. Right. And a final question uh, for people who might uh, be skeptical, uh, who, who would say, what is, you know, trying to maneuver inside the legislative process have to do with building socialism? How is this a part of a socialist project? How is this not just getting caught up in the in the in the same old, same old? What's your response to that? I think it's a very fair question to to ask. And I think that the my answer is that this can never be the entirety of the socialist project, but it must be a part of it because as socialists, our responsibility is to contest power wherever it may lie. Power exists within the state. Power also exists outside of the state. We must be contesting it in both of those places. And so my role here within the state is to ensure that in this $227 billion budget that we have on an annual basis, that we are fighting tooth and nail to ensure that we can change the material realities for working class people in New York State. And I think so far we have had some serious successes towards that. And in this budget, if we can pass, you know, the key elements of fix the MTA, BPRA, good cause, we could change those realities for our working class brothers and sisters and family beyond the binary. And so I would say that it, it, it is it is a worthwhile endeavor. It can never be the only endeavor. Okay. Assemblymember Zoran Mamdani uh, talking to us from Albany. Thank you so much for joining us on WBAI Radio. Thank you so much, John. It's always a pleasure. You bet.
All right. Again, that was Assemblymember Zoran Mondani, a Democratic Socialist, represents an Assembly District in Astoria and Long Island City in his second term in the state legislature. And we will be back after a short music break, and we will ta- uh, talk with uh, someone who, uh, who's organizing on the outside, is right in the thick of the effort uh, to try to push the state legislature to tax the rich and make the funding available for expansion of all sorts of uh, social programs we need in this state. And again, back after this break. Bucka, 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 bucka. <laughs> you know the deal? This is me, though. Beast by Supremo for all of my people, Negroes and Latinos, and even the gringos. Check it, one for Charlie Hustle, two for Steady Rock, three for the four coming live, future shot. It's five dimensions, six senses, seven from a mess of heaven and hell, eight million stories to tell. Nine planets faithfully keep an orbit with the probable tip. The universe expands length, the body of my tax possess extra strength. Power lift the powerless up out of this towering inferno. My ink so hot it burned through the journal. I'm black at midnight on Broadway and Myrtle. That was Mathematics by Mos Def. You are listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm your host, John Tarleton, editor-in-chief of the Independent. My co-host, Amr Gagarian, is out this week. Uh, before we go to our next guest, just want to let you know, a little later in the show, uh, we're going to be taking uh, some call-ins uh, and, and inviting uh, you, our listener, to let us know the women you admire. It's uh, Women's History Month. It's uh, March 21st, so we have uh, 10 more days to go with Women's History Month. And, uh, of course, we'll also be um, encouraging you to support this station, and we have a wonderful premium available uh, that uh, is tied into uh, Women's History Month. And um, so stay tuned for that in, uh, at the uh, half hour. But meanwhile, we're going to go back to talking about uh, the push to tax the rich and bring uh, an expansion of uh, social spending uh, to New York that would benefit New York's working class. And our next guest is Danny Valdez. Uh, uh, Danny is the co-chair of uh, the New York City Democratic Socialists of America, uh, their uh, Tax the Rich campaign. And uh, a DSA is also a part of a larger coalition, uh, Invest in Our New York, uh, which is seeking, uh, again, to uh, increase taxes on the rich. And uh, Danny's been right in the thick of all of that, uh, trying to mobilize pressure on the outside. We heard from Assembly Member Zora Mondani on the inside a few minutes ago. Uh, Danny, welcome to WBAI Radio. Hi, John. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. So, uh, can, can you, uh, talk about, uh, the tax the rich campaign, what it is, and also, uh, invest in our New York, um, and, and how all that, uh, uh, is going? Sure. Um, so IONI or the invest in our New York, uh, coalition is just that it's a coalition of groups from across New York state that are pushing this campaign, uh, to tax the rich and use that revenue that we would generate by taxing the rich to uh, invest in the working class of New York State. Uh, just 
you know, obviously the DSA uh, chapters statewide are part of the Ioni Coalition, um, but there's also the Working Families Party, there's Citizen Action, there's Vocal, there's Make the Road, there's CCNY. Um, there's, there's a lot of organizations that have come together uh, to push in the budget se- session this year in Albany to make sure that we get some taxes on the rich and some investments in the working class. Right. And uh, earlier in the show, uh, we heard some clips from uh, Saturday's uh, march on Billionaires Row on Fifth Avenue in the Upper East Side. Uh, what else uh, is the coalition doing to to build uh, pressure on uh, the governor and the state legislature uh, as we head into these final couple of weeks before the budget has to be uh, finalized? Yeah, so it's definitely go time right now. Um, this is when, uh, you know, the, the, the one house Budgets are out already, um, and now it's a time to ramp up the pressure as much as we possibly can. Um, and what the coalition is trying to do is trying to basically mobilize as many regular uh, working-class New Yorkers to ratchet up the pressure as much as possible. Um, so, for example, one thing that we're doing um, this week is uh, we're hosting a series of town halls, um, one in Flatbush, uh Brooklyn, one in Jackson Heights, Queens, and one at our DSA community center uh, down in lower Manhattan. And this is just a chance for community members and everyday New Yorkers to come and learn about the campaign, ask ask questions about it, talk about taxing the rich, um, and, uh, you know, send letters and take other actions that help ratchet up the pressure. And then next week, um, we are taking part in an, an entire week of action um, along with our coalition partners uh, up in Albany to, and every day is sort of based around a different part of the Ioni package. Um, and again, the idea is just to mo- get people up to Albany, get people to where uh, these legislators and the governor uh, herself will, will be able to see and, and hear them so that there is that internal pressure that uh, the assembly member t- talked about during these negotiations, but it's also critically important that there's outside pressure and pressure from regular people every that that are demanding these investments in their in their lives. Right. And, and what's your sense of, uh, that you hear from legislators about the, the impact of uh, uh, phone calls, or postcards or even in-person visits when people travel to Albany to visit their legislators? Uh, how do, how does that affect their their thinking about what they're doing? What's your sense of that? You know, it's funny. I've uh, I always start very skeptical of efforts like that, but by the end, um, I'm always surprised by how much of an impact these kinds of things can actually have. Um, and it's it's you know it's not a single letter that's going to make the difference, but it is the the additive effect of hundreds, maybe thousands of letters and emails and phone calls that that really um you you sort of have to like incept the idea uh in in albany and and get people talking about it and that is the real power of what having these rallies do of of what phone calls can do is getting the legislator which is so committed to the status quo uh trying to shake up the kinds of conversations that they're having with each other um, and and really how they're relating to their own constituents, which are calling um, and and really trying to elevate the conversation about 
taxing the rich. And, and, you know, just on another note here, like there was just a poll that came out, um, that, that said that 84% of people in New York support raising corporate taxes and 84% of people also support raising income taxes on people over $5 million. Um, so, you know, New Yorkers, they, they want a renewed investment on our public so If you're talking 84%, that has to include a, a lot of Republicans and Absolutely, independents, not just does. liberal Democrats. That's exactly right. That's exactly, I think like it's, it's a, across the board sentiment. And I think it's, it's fairly obvious that the rich are profiting and doing way better than the average working class person is. And it really doesn't matter where, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or somewhere in between or left or right of that. When it comes time to paying your bills, when it comes time to putting food at, at the table, when it comes back to providing for your family, you're going to feel the, the effects of the way the economy is rigged for the wealthy, just as, just like anybody else will. Um, and especially when you, when you contrast it with the governor's proposal, which is to raise a- income taxes basically on poor people. Um, and if, and if you say, Hey, what if we raise uh, taxes on the rich instead to, to sort of fund all of these social services that would make New York state a much more like livable place t- to be? Um, do you support that? And of course, the answer for the broad majority of people is going to be yes on that. And we we also see that on the streets when we're canvassing and talking to people, people's eyes just light up. It's really a, quite amazing the the response you get from across the spectrum uh, when they see the words "tax the rich." It's it's sort of a universal sentiment, um, which is which is good for us, I think. Right. And, and what's what's your uh, counter argument to those who do insist that uh, while taxing the rich sounds attractive? Uh, it'll be like killing the golden goose and they'll all uh, flee for other uh, lower tax uh, states and, and New York will be bereft of their uh, largesse. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a really, first of all, just like philosophically, it's a funny attitude and just like admitting that they have us all hostage and that we can't really ever do anything to better our own lives because we have to be subservient to this class of people. But outside of that, like, the, the data and the, if you look at the reality of the situation, it, it just doesn't add up. We actually have more millionaire taxpayers now in the state than we did in 2020. Um, and if you look at the numbers of who is actually leaving New York, um, it's not rich people. It's actually uh, people of, of color and working class families and very specifically black families are leaving New York City in, in, in droves. And um, the number one reason they cite for leaving is the, the cost of raising a family in New York. That's the number one reason why people leave. People want to live in New York City and in New York State. But if we can't provide a, a social foundation for them to have a life of dignity and where they can not just survive but, you know, thrive, as the saying goes, people are going to leave and they're going to go other places. But millionaires and billionaires there are reasons why they are in new york and those reasons are not really replicable in like other places um so i we're not worried about them leaving for you know just because we raised their taxes for a a tiny bit really what we're asking for is not astronomical by any means um it, it is just the money we require to have uh 
a decent standard of living for everyone in the state. I think that's a very reasonable thing to ask. Um, and it's the thing that, I, like I said, most people in New York support. And one other, uh, I guess, uh, uh, counter argument uh, for you to take a whack at is, well, okay, it, it might be nice to get more good things, but, you know, what is, what, what is the justification for taking money from people just because uh, they have more? Like, is this not a uh, sign of their hard work and um, diligence? Right. Well, I, I guess the question I always ask in response to that is like, who worked to actually produce that wealth? Was it that one individual millionaire or billionaire, or was it, the mass of people that go to work every day so that they can provide for their families so that they can pay their bills. The wealth that, that, that our policies allow the, the wealthy to have and to hoard is produced not by them, but by working class people. And all that we're asking is, look, we have a huge and if not like a, a majority hand in producing the wealth that makes New York State a haven for the wealthy. It's only right and it's only fair that that wealth can, can, through taxing it, can be, you know, that scary word, redistributed (laughs) to the working class in the form of, in the form of programs that will actually have a massive impact and a massive benefit on their lives. Things like uh, you were mentioning before, housing security, a new deal for CUNY and SUNY, free buses, uh, reliable subways, universal child care, a green new deal for New York. These are all things that would make New York a beacon in this country. Um, and it would, I, I, I always say it would make people flock here, I think, if they, if they knew that New York was a place where not only could you have, uh, you know, live in, New York City or New York State, but you could also reap the benefits uh, of all of these social programs that are being funded by the wealth that you have a hand in creating every single day. All right. We have to go here in a minute, but uh, can you uh, let folks know uh, where they can go uh, online or anywhere else to find out more information about how to get involved in these next two weeks? Yes. Uh, The best place, the easiest place to sort of sum it all up, uh, there's actually, I'm going to give two. One, if you're on Twitter, uh, you can go to the invest in our NY, uh, Twitter account, invest in our NY. Um, and that they'll be, uh, you know, that's obviously the coalition's, uh, Twitter account and they will be aggregating everything there. And there's also, um, tax to rich which is the website for the tax to rich campaign. Um, where and there's a get involved button there, uh, that will also take you everywhere you need to be. Um, but we hope to see you, everyone, either at a town hall this week or at our week of action. Um, and let's get this through. Let's let's tax the rich and seize the future. All right. Danny Valdez from Invest in Our New York in DSA's Tax the Rich campaign. Thank you for joining us on 99.5 FM today. Thanks, John. All right. We will be back uh, with more after a short music break. And uh, we'll be opening up the uh, uh, phone lines for a few minutes to, to hear from people about uh, women they admire in uh, what is uh, still uh, uh, Women's History Month. So we look forward to hearing from you. That number is 
1-800-227-2850. Back in a minute. Was New York is Killing Me by drummer Micaiah McCraven uh, from her 2020 reimagining of the original song of the same name by Gil Scott Heron. You're listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm your host, John Tarleton, editor-in-chief of The Independent. And my co-host, Amma Gagarian, is out this week. Again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have a brand-new issue, Hot Off the Presses, uh, that was distributed around the city today. You can find it in our red and white news boxes, in uh, dozens of public libraries across the city, in bookstores, cafes, and other venues. So we're really excited about that. You can also follow us online at independent.org, I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-N-T dot O-R-G. And uh, I want to also encourage people to support WBAI radio as a, a unique uh, um, asset we have here in New York that gets information out uh, across the five boroughs and uh, into the suburbs. Um, we we are always a, a little cash strapped here. We have bills to pay for the antenna uh, at, at four times square for the transmitter at four times square. It's your support that keeps this station uh, going. It's your support that has kept WBAI broadcasting for 63 years since 1960. Uh, it's an amazing um, accomplishment. Uh, I want to thank our uh, latest uh, uh, WBAI buddy to sign up uh, uh, in the name of the independent, uh, Aquan Al-Rahim uh, from uh, Boundbrook, New Jersey. Thank you uh, for supporting uh, WBAI radio. Uh, Aquan told us that he listens 
to the station all the time. They have the radio on uh, in his house on WBAI throughout the day. And uh, why not? There's uh, so much amazing programming on this station, news and uh, public affairs, uh, culture, music. You, you don't have any other uh, broadcast outlet in New York City like WBAI. When you call 212-209-2950 and, and become a one-time donor or a WBAI buddy, you help keep this station on the air. You become a part of the community community of listeners that is supporting WBAI, that is making all the programming on this station possible. You can also go online to give number two, WBAI.org, pull out the plastic and, and do the deed and become a WBAI buddy for as little as $10 a month. Uh, uh, like I mentioned a little earlier, uh, we are uh, encouraging uh, uh, people, if uh, w- we have this amazing premium I'm going to tell you about in a minute um, in honor of Women's History Month. And uh, if you want to call in and let us know uh, women that you admire, uh, whether from history or our current time, um, call us at 212-209-2877. We're going to take several minutes for that if we get some calls. But what is this amazing premium? Well, we have uh, 79 hours uh, from the Pacifica archives of trailblazing women's voices uh, for a $100 contribution or signing up to become a WBAI uh, buddy. Uh, the um, roster of names uh, with this premium is pretty staggering. And we have uh, Margaret Mead, uh, June Jordan, um, uh, the color purple read by Alice Walker. Um, we have, uh, Helen Caldicott, the anti-nuclear activist, Molly Ivins, uh, Dolores Huerta, Betty Friedan, Amy Goodman. Um, uh, we have one that's, uh, for the, uh, remembering Coretta Scott King. Uh, we have, uh, Bella Abzug. We have Miriam Makeba. And, uh, I believe we have a caller, uh, that's ready to come on the air. Hello, you're on 99.5 FM. Hello? Hi. Hello? Uh, yeah, I'd like to thank uh, Linda Perry for doing such a good job on the radio, give, keeping us updated and keeping us going. And I would like to know, what is good cause eviction? That the oh, okay. Uh, so good cause eviction, uh, the, the legislation would cover uh, uh, renters, uh, who live in in buildings that are not currently covered by by rent control laws? Uh, so, um, uh, the rent control laws only uh, cover buildings of six or more units that were built uh, before 1974. So, it would cover both smaller buildings that uh, were built before 1974 that have less than six units. Uh, it would also cover more recent buildings. They either have six or less units or a whole lot of units, but because their newer buildings are not covered under the current uh, rent control law. So this would affect uh, millions of renters in New York state and under good cause eviction, uh, the landlords would only be able to increase uh, the annual rent by uh, 1.5 times the inflation rate. So they would be able to increase the rent to uh, meet their needs and their increased expenses, but they would not be able to, uh, you know, blow the rent through the roof, so to speak. And, 
Um, it would also uh, require them to have uh, a legitimate reason to evict someone if they if the, if the tenant is behaving uh, badly and inconveniencing their neighbors and all those kind of things. They can still be evicted, but there there has to be a, a legitimate reason for evicting them. Um, so the idea is to give people more a stability, the same kind of stability that people who are in rent stabilized apartments uh, already have. But thank you, thank you for uh, joining us on the air. Um, if, if we have any more callers, we'd be happy to uh, hear from them. Um, but again, uh, just to go through the um, th- this roster, uh, 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 we have uh, Lorraine Hansberry. Uh, we we have um, Anais Nin, uh, uh, Lena Horn, um, uh, women who speak out against fascism from 1969. Uh, this was uh, over three days in July of 1969. The Black Panther Party invited a broad coalition of groups to participate in a three-day conference called the United Front Against Fascism. So you hear from women who spoke out at that historic moment uh, against the prospect of uh, rising uh, fascism and right-wing backlash uh, in that era. And we, of course, uh, know what we're all going through right now uh, with uh, serious uh, rise in fascism. So we can learn from those uh, voices from the past. Um, uh, it was also Jane Fonda, Aubrey Lord, uh, uh, sister Helen Prejean, the great, uh, death penalty critic. Um, so you can get this amazing 79 hours. All it's all on, uh, one little, uh, thumb drive. Uh, you can get it for a hundred dollars or becoming a WBAI buddy. Just call us at 212-209-2950. Again, it's 212-209. Uh, two nine five zero. And, uh, when you become a WBAI buddy, you help keep this station on the air. It's that simple. Uh, 212-209-2950. And we have another caller on hold. Uh, welcome to the Independent News Hour on WBAI. Thank you. Um, I understand you're taking calls, um, from people who would like to give shout outs to women they admire. I'm sorry, I couldn't couldn't quite uh, hear you there. I understand you're taking calls from people who'd like to give shout-outs to women they admire. Yes, who would you like to shout-out? I'd like to shout-out to two people. Um, One is Liliana Bakhtari, Bakhtiari, um, who is a city council uh, person in uh, Atlanta who is doing her best to try to Stop cop cities everywhere. I highly encourage people to look at a unicorn riot video interview with her from a few couple months, couple weeks ago. Um, amazing. It's just about four minutes. And then I'd also love to give a shout out to your co-host, Amba, because the article that she wrote in the independent, in this, um, this, um, uh, um, new article, I'm sorry, this issue, this issue is really, yes. um, and her part in trying to stop cop cities everywhere. I just love it. She did a fabulous job, and the article could have been even longer. <laughs> and yeah, I, I was uh, wondering, did on the cover, is that photo that I saw online on the cover? Because I haven't been able yep, to pick up the cop. Uh, Amba's coverage of, of Cop City is our cover story in our new issue. Um, and as you said, it's a, a really uh, uh, outstanding uh 
article and she went down to Atlanta and really, uh, you know, got the story. Cool. And I'd love to give a shout out then if, since, since that photo is on the cover of the Solidarity March that happened March um, 9th in New York City um, to the women organizers of that march. So, right, and our photographer who took that uh, cover photo, her name is uh, Sue Brisk, and uh, she she's an amazing uh, photographer who does a lot of work with us. Yay, vaginas. All right, so, and then the last thing I'd love for people to check out, are fabulous, fabulous, fabulous news, breaking news as of today. There is a song about Tortuguita, um, and people can find it uh, by looking on YouTube under Documentary David. Okay, well... Thank you for sharing all of that with us. We believe we have some uh, more people waiting uh, to come on the air. John, you got to say something. Hi, you're on WBAI. Uh, do you, are there any uh, women you want to shout out that you admire? Yes. Uh, John Tarleton, may I call you John? Yeah, This, of course. It's Daryl McPherson. Bronx, New York, and I'd like to shout out my 102-year-old mother who listens to WBAI. She has been an incredible inspiration to me, and just getting to 102, living in this country, is, I think, pretty much miraculous. However, that's up to folks. And That's, and John, that's amazing. I, I really want to appreciate, your, especially your first guest, in the context that I think rather than using the term free, one we need to start using the term zero out of pocket because that free word for some people is a trigger word that makes them go, I'm working 70 now, you know, and the whole thing like that. You know, it's coming out of their pocket. When Even when it's less, it's more cost effective to do something without having somebody take something out of their pocket, I find, especially with older people, that it's a, it's a pride thing. Or it, it's so ingrained that they want to know what's wrong. How come I'm getting this quote unquote for free? So, so um, with that, I'd like you to 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 ask all your your guests to share the, uh, from the WBA archive their um, their interview with you, with all their friends and everybody they know, so that we can increase the listenership of WBAI and think about. Um, I, I promise to get in touch with you, so leave your contact information again. I know it's on the website, but um, uh, doing something on the, the passive ways for nonprofits to raise capital, because if we could change our behavior, for instance, WBAI is a member of Good Shop, Good Search, and rather than going into it again because there are other people want to get on the air, take a look at uh, Good Shop, dot com backslash about it's a shopping platform you shop on the platform bai gets the percentage of the um, of the shopping however good search it's a search engine powered by yahoo bai would get a penny for every time somebody did a search what we want to do is get all the nonprofits to sign up and then we could raise money for each nonprofit simply by changing our behavior and searching using good search yeah, we'll, we'll 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 have to keep that in mind. Uh, um, you know, maybe maybe uh, management, uh, maybe our listener station board would uh, think that's a great no, idea. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we have to be thinking creatively right now about how to raise uh, money for this station. Um, 
right now uh, during this uh, this particular show, uh, all I can do is uh, shout out 212-209-2877 for people to uh, – well, that's our, that's our call-in number, but also uh, 212-209-2950. But, um, Daryl, I thank you for uh, calling and, and, and sharing all this with us. And, and you know, uh, God bless uh, your mother, 102, and, and still listening to this uh, radio station. We're delighted to have her uh, uh, joining us uh, today. And I'm not sure, do, do we have another caller in the queue? Um, hello? hello? Yes, I'd like to uh, shout uh, out. Uh, hi. Uh, are, hi. Are there uh, any women that you want to shout out uh, yes. here on WBAI uh, yes. for Women's uh, History Month? Yes, for the brave women uh, that, that started uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, for uh, Elida Roosevelt, for uh, Fran Luck, for a- Amy Goodman, for uh, Beanie Rosenberg. There you go. Uh, yeah, for Trish James. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, I, I said Bella Obsuk. I mean, some yes. women were around when it, when it was, some of them, it wasn't so hard to 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 uh, shout out, because a lot of times, the women nowadays are alone. Nobody else is doing what they're doing. And I just really, okay, and it just gives me nerve. R- right, yeah, th- those are all amazing uh, 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 historical figures, and of course, Fran uh, Luck, you mentioned her, the host of uh, The Joy of Resistance here on WBAI. Um, that wasn't uh, her problem at all. I mean, I, I just think it, 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 it's wonderful to stick your neck out if you can if you can do it. God bless everybody and keep them safe. Right. All right. Well, we thank you for, for sharing um, all those uh, all those names and, and yeah. uh, who, who've uh, inspired us. Um, and while we wait for our next, uh, caller, I again want to let you know, 212-209-2950 is where you can go to become a WBAI buddy, um, or make a one-time contribution. And we have this amazing, uh, premium, uh, Women's History Month premium, uh, that we have, uh, compiled of 79 hours of, uh, uh, women's uh, voices, uh, all sorts of uh, historic figures. I was, uh, listing a bunch of them a few minutes ago, you can get that premium uh, for a hundred dollars, or if you become a WBAI buddy for as little as ten dollars a month, and be a part of the community of people who are helping carry this station uh, forward and, and keeping it on the air. We now have another uh, caller to go to. Uh, welcome to uh, WBAI. Hey, how you doing? My name's Doug. I'm, I'm doing great. In New York. And uh, uh, a question, uh, but I'll, I'll preface it by giving a big shout-out to Shirley Chisholm, first black woman elected to Congress, first black woman to run for president, and she took no prisoners. She didn't care. She was in the limelight. She had been confronted by death threats, by intimidation, by the patriarchy of the uh, legislator at the time and so on, but she stood firm. 
Very strong. Absolutely. From Brooklyn, no less. Yeah, part of my time. I'm in my late 70s, retired educator. Listen, a quick question. Do you have any information for the viewers on the update of the uh, uh, financial situation with WBAI, whether they have balanced their books and presented themselves properly so that they can get additional funding from the government, which is, uh, which is uh, 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 unfortunately restricted because they say that the books aren't in balance and they can't account for the money. Right. Would, uh, right. Just for our listeners, when you refer to the, uh, getting funding from the government, we're talking about the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which uh, disp- dispenses... Uh, funding, uh, I mean, to PBS, to NPR stations, and to other uh, public broadcasting entities. Uh, um, I um, I will not claim to be totally in the loop on this, um, but as I understand it, uh, that uh, require that's a an issue for the Pacifica uh, network that they have. That's a hurdle they have to clear uh, with uh, their bookkeeping and all of that. So um, I've been contributing, I- and every time I, I get information or I Tune into those boards there. It's always ongoing. It's always, oh, we're going to have it soon. This has been going on for two, three years that I can remember in, in depth, but they always talk about it. Though the financial situation has been a problem for a while. Um, this has got to come to a head. It really has. Yeah, I I, I, I hear you. The sort of the permanent crisis uh, 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 is definitely um, uh, uh, tiring uh, uh, to, 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 you know, always be in the middle of. Um, one thing I, 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 as I understand it with the whole question of the, uh, you know, the, the bookkeeping and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, that those problems originated in the national office, uh, out in Berkeley, California, where, uh, the Pacific Network has its, um, uh, national headquarters. And I know there's people that worked, uh, very diligently to try to uh, clean that situation up, including uh, some of the members of the, um, uh, the New York uh, Listener Station Board, who serve on Pacifica's national board, I, it's been a big effort, and um, I, I can't tell you more than that. I'm not; uh, it's not something I, I follow on a, a regular basis. But I thank you for uh, raising that, and I thank everybody uh, who gave today, everybody who called in uh, uh, to share uh, with us the women uh, they admire for Women's History Month. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up now. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Independent uh, News Hour. And um, and I want to thank our board operator, Reggie Johnson, also Amba Gagarian, helped with a bunch of the sound in today's show. And and uh, we'll be back, as I said, uh, next week. And for our musical outro here, uh, let's uh, listen along.